This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Ghanem. And I'm Jamal Dejani. Well, Jamal, we have no big news and also at the same time, extraordinary news. And um, we don't know who the next president's going to be. We don't know what's going to happen with the Senate. The Democrats lost seats in the House. We're in the middle of multiple lawsuits. And every single pollster, I might add, minus me, of course, was completely wrong about the election results. Let's just say, and we got a lot to talk about today, let's just say, number one, Joe Biden was predicted to win by 10 points, not even close anywhere. And um, we got a lot to talk about. We have a great interview with Arab Talk correspondent Phil Pasquini. And then on top of everything else, Jamal, we have 100,000 new cases of coronavirus in the United States raging out of control. And we found out that in this country, losing control of a pandemic causing 250,000 deaths of Americans had little to no impact on the election. It didn't change many minds. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And of course, one of my perennial topics that I want to put out there, and we just to kind of bring it to the Middle East for a minute, every single time there's a U.S. presidential election, the Israelis take advantage and do catastrophic damage uh, in terms of their colonial settler escapades, and they've done it again by displacing and destroying homes of 71 Palestinians, including 41 children. So, Jamal, we have a great show um, and a lot to talk about. That's right, Jess. And before you and I get at it, we have Arab Talk reporter in Washington, D.C., Phil Pasquini, giving us the latest updates right in front of the White House. Joining us from Washington, D.C., our reporter, Phil Pasquini. Phil, we spoke to you last week from in front of the White House. You're, you're still in Washington. Last week, you showed us how people were preparing, uh, you know, covering their window fronts. Uh, but I don't see any writing. And it's <laughs> two days uh, since uh, the elections. And uh, it's a nail biter. Uh, what do you see there on the ground? Uh, well, the buildings, of course, are still boarded up, and it looks very much like Plywood City. Uh, there's only been a couple of incidents and a few arrests, but nothing major that uh, most people were expecting. However, I think once the election is decided, we may see more unrest. It's really difficult to say. Uh, so far, everybody's maintained their cool, waiting for the results. And as you said, it is a nail-biter, and so it's just a matter of time. I think within the next couple of days, we should... Uh, hopefully have the matter uh, settled. Yeah, so uh, you're right, it's a nail-biter. I've been monitoring the results. It depends on which site you look at them. Uh, on the Associated Press, they're showing uh, Biden's lead, uh, 264, because they counted Arizona for him. Other sites like CNN, they haven't ca counted uh, Arizona yet, so the number is more uh, 253. Uh, but right. the, the gap is narrowing in Pennsylvania and in Georgia. 
So we probably won't find out till tomorrow. And now here is uh, one strange thing. You're on the ground there, and we're used to seeing uh, Donald Trump on TV, uh, <laughs> but uh, we haven't heard anything from him. He just, he just tweets. So what's the mood like, do you think? Uh, I mean, have you been hearing anything from your colleagues? Uh, is maybe, uh, is he nervous? Is defeat settling in? Or this is the calm before the, before, before the storm? Uh, I would say it's probably the calm before the storm. Uh, most people are fairly calm. There's a lot of demonstrations every day now about the issue of counting or not counting votes, but the demonstrations are perfectly aligned with my point of view, and that is that every vote should be counted, irrespective of what the result may be. Yesterday at McPherson Square, just a block from where I'm standing right now, there was a demonstration uh, encouraging the counting of voting and not to uh, try to destroy our democracy by picking and choosing which votes should be counted and which shouldn't be counted or that should be stopped or not stopped. Uh, it reminds me very much of elections that I've covered overseas in various places where uh, you find that uh, manipulation has become more important than the election itself. So presently, things are very calm this morning. Just behind me at the white, newly constructed White House fence, there was a go-go band and a number of uh, activists and demonstrators who were all promoting the count the vote. Uh, the passing cars were all affirmative about blowing their horns in support. So we see a great deal of support here in Washington, D.C., but I know that's not the case around the country. There's still some counter demonstrators here who are trying to uh, spread the rumors that the vote has been uh, manipulated by the Biden camp. I don't think anything can be further from the truth. We have a lot of people working very hard on both sides to try to get an accurate count. And uh, that's where we're at at the moment with all of those particular issues. Now, of course, how uh, Washington, the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., voted and how people who come from outside is a total different story because right. uh, Washington, D.C. voted overwhelmingly for Biden, I think like 90 percent, something like that. Yeah, but somewhere around that get, neighborhood. Yeah, but you get a lot of people from Virginia and, and, the, and, and, and the surrounding area. Have you seen, um, you know, I haven't seen like uh, supporters of Donald Trump parading like we've actually seen them in California carrying Trump flags. Uh, and, uh -huh. and the American flags in, in, right. uh, in trucks and so forth. Have you seen any of those uh, people coming to, descending to D.C. in front of the White House? Um, I saw a few uh, the day before, that would be November 2nd. Um, there were a few driving around with Trump flags and so on. But in the city itself, it, it, there's a profound lack. I haven't seen any affirmative signs to vote for Trump before the election. They were all Biden. Uh, there are still some groups that are coming to Black Lives Matter that are supportive of Trump, but they're in a very small minority. There aren't many people at all. There's a particular protagonist occasionally who walks through with a Trump sign and a Trump hat. Uh, but yesterday I saw one or two people who were at a small rally. It was a Christian-based faith group who were uh, anti-abortion, uh, and they had a small rally and, and dispersed and took off, but they... There, there's really not a presence of that here at the moment. Uh, there was a fight the other night, I understand, between two groups, pro and anti-Biden, uh, that resulted in three people being stabbed, but I don't think it's been fully investigated, so they're not really sure who was involved or what the precursor was that caused the issue. So for the most part, things are calm. Uh, most people here are in support of, as I said earlier, the count, 
and also in support of Biden-Harris as, as uh, the leading candidate so far. Now, you've, you've, as you've said, you've covered many elections internationally. So when your colleagues from other networks uh, see Donald Trump saying, stop the count, uh, you know, sending his lawyers to Pennsylvania and other places to challenge uh, basically the uh, process, the democratic right. process, and then at the same time, as you know, the United States lectures third world countries and the rest of the world about <laughs> elections. We send, uh, we used to send Jimmy Carter, right, to monitor these elections. What are Correct. they saying to you when they see and hear Donald Trump basically uh, attacking the whole system? Well, I think uh, most people that I've talked to, at least foreign correspondents that I've come across, are amazed at how difficult and complex and convoluted our voting system is. They don't understand the Electoral College or why it's there. That's a question I think all of us have. Every four years, as you know, that's a theme to get rid of it. And then we sit back and don't do anything. And four years later, it comes back once again. I spoke to a correspondent from Asia last night and he kind of shook his head. He couldn't understand uh, why anybody would try to circumvent the democratic process of counting every vote to represent, to get a representation of what people want. This is what democracy is all about. So uh, the few people that I have spoken to, because most are very busy, and you can see behind me probably more media than there are demonstrators at the moment, uh, most of them are in somewhat bewildered. And what you pointed out, an argument that I've had for a long time was that we have enforced plebiscites around the world in order to create institutional democracy, and yet we have a fundamental problem in our own country of doing and establishing the same thing. You could go back to uh, George W. Bush, the first election, when it was really more of a selection than an election, and courts had to intervene in order to resolve the dilemma. And I don't think we're going to face that this time. I think most of the lawsuits are more about harassment and frivolous uh, arguments that aren't going to go anywhere. But they're an issue to have to deal with, and it's just another encumbrance into the overall process. So uh, I think a lot of people were hoping for a huge uh, landslide by Biden uh, in order to take the election you know, immediately without any of this stuff. But I don't, uh, and I never thought that Trump would ever give up easily or just turn his back and walk away from it. I don't think that's the case now either. So you're right, uh, we have enforced uh, democracy, if you will, in the voting process and promoted it around the world. And we should be leading by example. And instead, we're making a very poor uh, example of what democracy is about. So that's something that I think is pivotal and really important in all this. How are we looking to the rest of the world right now? And it's really not a positive, affirmative uh, underwriting of what democracy is. It's really a shambles. And when Trump made his statement the other night about he was embarrassed by the process, I think he should be embarrassed about himself more than the process because he's the one that's trying to circumvent the process in order to form things into his own favorable form uh, and point of view. Are people uh, surprised, especially, again, I'm interested in uh, foreign reporters, that the elections are this close, uh, especially you have a president who has lied repeatedly. Uh, you have more than 230,000 people died in uh, this country because of the mishandling of the coronavirus. And, and, you know, uh, this is someone who, at least, the pollsters were telling us that he was not well-liked and this is going to be a blue wave. 
But here he is, he has more than 60 million votes. So does it mean that half the country really prefer to have in the White House someone who is a white supremacist, someone who is a liar, and let's add to this list probably a misogynist and so forth, and uh, rather than seeing the other guy. Yeah, it's an interesting dilemma, you know, it's a split, it's divided. You can remember the term Farouk Tasud, divide and conquer, and that's what we're facing with this. Uh, Trump is divisive in all manners. If you look at his business past, anytime he's had a dilemma or a problem with anybody, he files lawsuits. You know, he's got Rudy Giuliani now, who couldn't pull off the finding of the hard drive from Joe Biden's son theory, which is about as plausible as the adoption of Russian babies when we started all of this. Uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's trying to sue everybody into submission in order to get his own way. And my great fear in all of this is that when he loses the election, and I'm sure he will, uh, what damage he'll do between then and January 20th. Uh, God only knows what he's up to or what he has in his mind. He's been very erratic and not acting in my sense uh, in any normal way that you would expect, certainly from a president. But the behavior is just beyond the pale at this point. So I, I, you know, I have great apprehension about where we're going uh, from this point forward. And as you said, you know, without the rioting and all these other things that were anticipated as having occurred by now, I think that's still, you know, in the cards. It's on the horizon when the uh, election is decided. Remember what just what you said, half the country seems to be, you know, uh, falling for his game and the other half is not. So. I would hope that people would take that into account and think of as many signs I've seen here by demonstrators, think of country first and party second or last in many cases. Any signs from the politicians on the right, the GOP, that should Trump lose, that they will go and have a talk with him rather than encouraging because we saw his tweets and his emails that he has been sending to his supporters they are verging on incitement, if not that, that's probably the legal term, inciting people the way they are, uh, the language, and get ready, get prepared. He's egging them on. So if he refuses, and you just made actually the first prediction. Arab Talk hasn't made the prediction because we still think it's still too close to call. But you said right. that it looks like he's going to lose. And I want to ask you why you think that way. But anyway, I mean... Do you think uh, reason will win? At least the, you know, we didn't have that before with the Republicans, the schism between the Republicans and, and the Democrats. I mean, uh, people were still civil to each other, but uh, right. Trump kind of took it a whole different, to a whole different level. That's true. And, you know, it used to be that uh, politics... Uh, were the art of compromise, that you could avoid conflict by working things out, by making deals, whether they were backroom or up front. But we don't see that anymore. People have become polarized. From what I've seen in covering the Trump uh, uh, rallies and so on, it's become more of a cult than a political party. You know, he could do no wrong, he could give no lie that doesn't have some tr- element of truth in their minds. Uh, they're in denial, in my view. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not privy to what the politicians think about this or GOP. I would hope that they had enough sense to understand that the country is really a very important thing to maintain and not try to fall into this trap of personality conflict, 
and many disputes over non-issues that seem uh, that are based more on emotion than logic or law. I mean, we live under a constitution. We are a constitutional democracy, and we need to maintain that at all costs. It may be personal costs, but that's for the better good, and that's what we're supposed to be about, and that's why we stand as a United States of America. In the meantime, we end up with this attitude that one group is right, the other guy's wrong. There are several people that I've seen over the last few days that have signs that say, we're all in this together, we're all Americans, let's pull together and make our nation stronger. Those are good words that we should all live by all the time, irrespective of this. You can look at Joe Biden and Trump's statement. Trump's statement was, you know, there are these red states and blue states, and Biden came out with what I thought was a very presidential statement. He looked absolutely fantastic on TV by talking about a United States of America, not red or blue states, but everybody in this together. Those are important things that we all need to maintain all the time. And we've moved away from that too far because of this divisive individual who seems to think, as he said at one time, he knows more than the generals know. We all know that was a lie to begin with. If you look at his life prior to politics and what he's doing now, obviously it's canceled any of that. So that's the only thing I know about it. I haven't spoken uh, to anybody in the GOP per se, as far as politicians go. So you still feel that uh, Biden is going to win. So I want to ask you, how do you see his uh, <laughs> pathway to winning? Um, I feel that in my bones. That's not scientific, and I know it doesn't work well on TV. But I think that uh, he will win, in my view, Arizona and Nevada, and that should push him over the top without an issue at all. Uh, how it's taken by the other side, I know is not going to be well. You know, we're already looking at stopping votes again. We talked about that earlier and, you know, lawsuits and what have you. Uh, you can't circumvent democracy with lawsuits. Uh, the law is what it is. Obviously, the courts are packed by his people, but uh, I, I would hope that they can rise above uh, partisan uh, bantering and fighting and, and look, again, as I said, look for the greater good. Um, but I, I just have a feeling that Biden's going to win this and that Trump's going to go down. I don't think in the long run, I mean, if you look at the numbers right now, uh, Biden has gotten the, the most uh, votes of anybody that ever ran in a presidential election. I think that trend is going to continue and we, we will see that change take place. I, I hope I'm correct. I don't know uh, what Arab talk has to say about it. You haven't predicted, you said, but uh, hopefully you'll come out with a prediction today or at least have a better sense of where this might be going uh, in the next couple of days. Yeah, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see some more results to kind of give us more confidence. You're right, we are waiting on Arizona, uh, even though uh, Associated Press, Fox News gave it to Biden, other uh, stations, because the, the gap has been narrowing a little bit. And, right. uh, and then there might be the big surprise like, uh, like Pennsylvania, because the votes in, in the Philadelphia districts have not been tabulated uh, as of now. And that might be the big surprise because if Biden wins uh, just Pennsylvania, that will bring him right. over the top. Right. And, well, it uh, could be the October surprise in November, we hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, Phil Pasquini, reporting from Washington, D.C. Thank you. Stay safe. And hopefully this transition uh, will happen smoothly and peacefully. So we'll yes. set an example for the rest of the world rather than being the livestock of countries around the world.
I know. We don't need to be a banana republic. We need to stand for who we are and affirm this for whatever the result is and move forward. Great. Thank you, Phil. Okay, you're welcome. Bye, Jamal. That's Arab Talk correspondent Phil Pasquini from the White House. Well, Jamal, it looks like it's uh, pretty raucous in front of the White House right now. A lot going on. And... Um, we still don't know what's going to happen. Well, it's actually today was still quiet. And as Phil described it, it's the calm before the storm. Exactly, exactly. Because last week, as you know, when uh, we were speaking to him, uh, business owners were uh, putting plywood all over the storefronts, trying to protect uh, their storefronts from riots, chaos, demonstrators. So they are all prepared. He said, this is what he said. He said, Washington, D.C. is like a ghost town and a boarded town. So all the storefronts are all boarded up and in anticipation of something happening. Now, the interesting thing uh, just uh, is uh, Donald Trump has been uh, quiet this past uh, couple of days. He's been tweeting but he hasn't been making any media appearances. Maybe something will happen today. But he's been pretty quiet after he made his threat and his statements calling you know, to stop counting the votes in Pennsylvania and sending his lawyers there. He wants to count the votes in Arizona where he's behind, but he doesn't want to <laughs> count the votes where he's th he thinks he might be losing votes. And here is something very important because he said... Uh, and let's let's start the premise here. And this is the title of the show. It ain't over till it's over. Right? That's right. The very That's famous person right. said that. Yoga Bera. It ain't over till it's over. I mean, this is something. We are two days after the elections. Uh, they've been saying that some results won't come. Uh, won't till, finish Friday? Till, till Friday. Till Friday. And some the weekend. Even That's some right. the weekend. That's right. And it is very close uh, to call. However, there might be some game changers. And the one game changer that I see, Jess, is Pennsylvania. The game changer is Pennsylvania because it sounds like even though some, uh, some networks like Fox News, Associated Press has called Arizona for Biden. Right. So according to their figures, he's 264 out of 270 electoral votes and Trump is 214. So if you take that, he's just shy of one state. But others like CNN and others, they're still, they're still waiting because, um, you know, there's still some votes coming, and, and uh, I, I listened to the uh, secretary of, uh, I guess, the elections there uh, saying that um, they're going to wait probably till later this evening or tomorrow to make an announcement. However, right. the votes from Pennsylvania have been coming very fast. And 24 hours ago, Donald Trump was leading by more than what, 400,000 votes? It's Maybe much more. less It's much less now. Now it has shrunk quite a bit, and I'm, I've been looking at Pennsylvania. So Donald Trump has uh, 3,234,000 uh, votes, and uh, Biden has 3,125,000. So every hour on the hour, it has been shrinking, and they are waiting on some very important... Uh, uh, votes to come from uh, Pittsburgh, 
from basically the uh, strong democratic regions. Strong democratic regions where uh, Biden has been winning, but something like close to eighty percent to twenty percent, or seventy-nine percent to twenty-one percent. And the secretary also of state there uh, reported today, and she said that they might be done with by tonight, by this evening. So if Biden catches up, it's all over for Trump. That's right. And if if Pennsylvania goes to Biden, it is all over. But let me play out another scenario. Let's say Trump holds on to Pennsylvania. That still gives Trump a chance. But Biden has multiple paths to 270. For example, he can lose Pennsylvania but if he wins Nevada, he gets to 270. So there's still lots of uh, various permutations, Jamal, of various states and electoral college combinations that allow Biden to get to 270. Trump has won. He has to win Pennsylvania. He has to win Georgia. He has to win North Carolina. He has to win basically all of the uncontested states in order to get to 270. So in terms of percentages and all the cards lining up and everything lining up appropriately, it's a very narrow path for Trump. It's still possible. But for Biden, he's got a number of possibilities. I want to come back to this thing, Jamal, because, you know, know, the pollsters were wrong again. I mean, really, really wrong again. They were wrong... uh... In 2016 with Hillary Clinton, same scenario, you would have thought that that they would have learned their lesson. And watching the news, you and I have been watching the news, especially CNN, others, they keep bringing their numbers guy, uh, you know, bragging about their numbers guy. Now you don't see him that frequently. And he's saying, no way on earth. These are different scenarios. Trump has no chance in hell winning. And he, and he was absolutely wrong. Absolutely And all wrong. the other pollsters from, you name them, every single one, one of them, they were all wrong. And they were all wrong about the blue wave, the so-called blue wave, because it's not a blue wave. Even though, like you said, the Democrats are, will still hold on to the, uh, to the, the house. house. They've lost uh, some seats. And now they are tied in the Senate. The last number I saw... 48, 48, but then there is uh, there is also still two more results coming in. I guess uh, Georgia, uh, yeah, Georgia. You know, so so they could they could win, but a tie is not bad. Even if they kept it at a tie, it's not bad. Should Biden win? Because remember, the vice president breaks a tie. That's right, Jamal. The vice president breaks a tie. But it's a very difficult task because what we have are two Senate races in Georgia right now that look like they will go to runoffs. Uh, if, if I think this, they are going to runoffs. Yeah, if, if it hasn't been confirmed yet, but it looks like it because you have to get above 50% in Georgia to seal the deal. If none of the Senate candidates, uh, Kelly Lawfer or Sonny Perdue, if they don't get above 50%, it's going to go to a runoff. And if it goes to a runoff, Jamal, you're going to see millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars going into Georgia trying to get those last two potential seats, if Biden wins, obviously, 
to swing the Senate to at least a tie. But I want to go back to something you said. Not only were the pollsters wrong, not only was the blue wave kind of petered out in some significant ways. It's the blue tide, now they call it. (laughs) Blue tide, blue wave, whatever you want to call it. Whatever we call it, I think this is yet another. I'm the one that said it last week, and I said it four years ago. We need to wake up, and the Democrats need to wake up to the reality of what's happening in the rest of the country. This is yet another wake-up call for liberals and for Democrats. They really dropped the ball again. We're finding out, for example, Jamal, that Latino vote, again, was not as strong as Biden needed to, you know, make this a blue tide or a blue wave, whatever we want to call it. And, Jamal, the other thing we're finding, looks like African-American men did not come out and vote in as big of numbers as we would have expected. So um, so that's on the, on the Democrat side. On the Republican side, Jamal, almost 70 million people voted for Donald Trump. What does that tell you when so many people have died from the pandemic, when the country is in deep economic crisis, that you still have 70 million people voting for Donald Trump to be president of the United States? I think this is an opportunity. We all have to look in the mirror, especially the Democrats, and see that they're making the same mistakes every two years and every four years. It's a real big wake-up call, in my opinion. You're absolutely right. I mean, Donald Trump may lose. He also still has a path, at least one path, to winning. This is a president who, during his watch, more than 230,000 Americans died. This is a president who lies every time he opens his mouth. This is a president riddled with scandals, sexual predator, you name it. This is a president that has been attacking immigrants, that has been attacking Muslims in this country, has been attacking brown people, black people, uh, you know, all minorities. And yet, he is tied, practically tied. And, And you're absolutely right. This is a strong message that this country, I mean, actually, I mean, here we are in the 21st century, Jess, that people from the outside look at this country and say, darn, this is a racist country. I mean, you cannot, you, you know, yes, you say we have a lot of liberals, it's diverse. But to have this number and people who are willing, who are willing, imagine, to vote for a white supremacist in the White House. And let's call a spade a spade. He's a white supremacist rather than having Biden or something like this. I mean, this is people who are, as you watched probably last night and this morning on TV, who have been harassing and demonstrating in Arizona in front of the pollsters, I mean, in front of the uh, state office where they were counting the votes. Imagine. I mean, instead, that's where they're directing their anger because they're behind there. Right. And that's why. And then the text messages that I've received from supposedly Donald Trump and, and Pence, uh, on his behalf, uh, the tweets calling people to fight for him. I mean, he uses very 
I would inflammatory, say inflammatory, inflammatory words, like you yeah. know, and his what his sons have been saying on top well, of this, well, well, and calling our system a fraud. Basically, he's calling the the, the election system, like the electoral system in this country, a fraud. Well, I want to just back up to his two a.m. day after the election uh, screed that he did when he came up in front of the entire world and basically self-declared himself to be the winner of the election. Not not only an outrageous, narcissistic, and I would say sociopathic move, but a direct attack on the democratic process and democracy as we know it, Jamal. So we've had four years of attacks on the democratic process, on our democracy. Four years, as you say, of lying. Four years of failure not only on the economy, but on the world stage. Failures that are so deep and significant. And I think, just to amplify a little bit of what you said, we have to face, as you know, we've been saying this on Arab Talk for a long time, Jamal, 12, 15 years now. Not only is this country divided, but it is a deeply racist society. And that racism against African-Americans and against people of color and against Muslims and against anyone who's not part of this elitist uh, group, you know, uh, is going to continue to be attacked. And this is the, this is the sad reality that we are failing to confront and admit as a country that white supremacy is still strong. The aftermath of the Civil War, I'm going to go back to the Civil War and slavery, Jamal, because that wound and that blight on our history is still alive and well in this country. And I just want to go back, little historical lesson, you already know this, but for those of our listeners and viewers who may not know it, after uh, President Lincoln was assassinated in 1865, you know, you had, uh, you know, that Johnson took over as the, uh, as the uh, you know, he was the vice president. He took over as presidency after the assassination of Lincoln. He was impeached and then acquitted in the Senate, much like Donald Trump. But it was, he's the one that made all these concessions to the, you know, to the Confederacy that was supposed to be crushed. We were supposed to be this perfect union, right? I even hate to say the word perfect. We were supposed to be this union where slavery was abolished and we were going to be one country and come together. And yet after the assassination of Lincoln and the, you know, the the kind of crushing of the Confederacy, we have half of this country, at least Jamal, who still believe in white supremacy, who still believe in the Confederacy in some way or another. And we are not facing up to this really painful reality yet. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, you know, we know that uh, supposedly under uh, Lincoln, that's where we have the emancipation and that where supposedly all men and women were created equal. This not materialize. And this is part of the different things that they came up with, including having uh, one to three, the ratio for and the voting rights for African-Americans at the time. Yeah, the three-fifths uh, rule. Exactly, the three-fifths rule. 
is, is basically to usurp all these rights granted to them by the Constitution. And ever since, they've been working, you know, through the, even the civil rights movement to keep minorities, African-Americans, etc., down and outside this system, basically having their voices heard. And, and that's what's happening now. And we reached a point where this country is almost split in the middle. It is split. And, and also, uh, we should talk about this electoral system. I mean, in, but Jamal, in this the 21st electro- century... But the Electoral College is from slavery. Exactly. That's where that it came still, from. Every time they talk about it, and then it gets forgotten after people kind of you know, complain and hum and whatever uh, about it. And then it, 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 it leaves that, that discussion, and we revisit it every, every four years. Tell me, I mean, where is it fair when your, you know, your vote basically in California, for example, is not going to count, right? So where is that democracy based on one man or one woman, one vote? It's not. Right. When you are now, when we are having discussion waiting on Georgia, you know, with all due respect to the people in Georgia and waiting on Nevada with all due respect to the people in Nevada, that they are going to determine the election or even Pennsylvania, you know, but it's still a lot. They are going, it always goes back to five or six states that will decide and determine the election. And those states are predominantly white. Uh, and, and that's, you know, we keep, kind of, it's a deja vu. Every four years, we have this deja vu. And people get excited in the big states like California. And, and then the decision is made, uh, you know, is left to, to, to few states. And also the representations, when you talk about the Senate, that California will have two senators representing this population, which is the largest state in the union. And it has the same equal number of senators as the state of Rhode Island, right? And South or Dakota. And South Dakota. Dakota. I mean, it's a joke. And so that's why people should not be surprised that, for example, the Republicans will control the Senate or they'll always control the Senate, you know? Uh, you know, I mean, they've not always, but they'll have a big chance in controlling the Senate if they have equal Senators, right? That's exactly in, right, Chabal. In Congress, it's a little bit more fair because that distributed according to kind of populations that you get more congressmen and congresswomen out of a bigger state. But not when it comes to the Senate, which is the most important part, which plays, as we've seen, twice this year, uh, twice in, in one year, played an important role in deciding who's going to be the Supreme Court justice. Actually, three, three times. Well, now. within a year, yeah, yeah. Uh, three times during, during Trump, but within basically right. a 12-month period, it ended up in the Senate, and look how they whizzed through it. That's right. Regardless Jamal. of the complaints of the, everyone else in this country and uh, made the last appointment. So just, just to kind of drive this point the Senate and the Electoral College are leftovers from trying to make slave owners and the southern states who, you know, fought in the Civil War to protect slavery. This was an attempt to appease them. It was appeasement. Senate it's to make it make it up to them. Right. Senators in the Electoral College was Andrew Johnson's uh, and the founders 
And after Lincoln was assassinated, this was all kind of put together to, to, to reassure slave owners in the South that their power would be kind of protected. That, that's the deal that Andrew Johnson made, I think, with the devil. Um, and it's haunting us to this day. And that slavery and the kind of, uh, ethnic cleansing of indigenous communities, you know, from the very beginning, you know, starting when the first colonists came over, you know, we have never gotten over that. We continue to be ignorant and in denial of those past, you know, catastrophic events in my mind. And we keep going through this every year, every four years, every two years. We, you know, if you happen to be a Democrat, you look at the polls and you think, oh, people are smart. They're not going to reelect Donald Trump again. They're going to give uh, the Senate back to the Democrats. We'll restore order. That's just not reality. And I want and, our and, view. And, and that's why, that's why, as you said before, I think all these pollsters were living in La La Land. La La Land. And they just uh, did not have a good understanding of this, these issues and these particular states. And, this, and the situation is not, is not going to change when you have kind of pockets and concentrations of people who are still, until it became illegal in some parts, they were still flying the Confederate flag. I mean, how many times have you driven across the country and you've seen trucks, uh, you know, and during games and, and things, people were basically flying the Confederate flag. That tells you that they did not be, they don't believe that they have lost the war and they want to live under a Confederacy, which basically wants to keep all minorities out of the system. That's exactly right, Jamal. And I have kind of bad news for you. I've seen Confederate flags in the Bay Area and in California. And if you... If you go to certain parts of California and in the Bay Area, no, no. you yeah. will see Confederate flags. The Confederacy never died. You know, the deal with the devil that was made by politicians in order to keep the union going. You know, and we have this, if you look at, here's something interesting you, you might like. If you look at the red states on the electoral map, on the map of voting and everything, it lines up perfectly, Jamal, with the COVID epidemic being out of control. If you look at the states that are out of control right now, it almost lines up perfectly with the red states that uh, voted overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. So that- And exactly, I mean, I mean, this is the thing because people were banking on, and I actually said it, I said, I just can't fathom the idea that you'll vote for someone who is basically responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands because of Americans. Because that's not what's important to them, Jamal. What's but important it, to Trump supporters well, you is... You can watch them. They're not, they don't even they wear don't care. a mask. They don't care. What they care about is white supremacy. What they care about, and, and many of them do believe in these conspiracy theories. If you look at the demonstrators in Arizona, they believe... Biden is stealing the election. They believe in QAnon. They have all these conspiracy theories and they want to protect white supremacy. And unless Democrats and the rest of us, you know, who are politi- who, who are journalists and political analysts, unless we confront that, we're going to be making the same mistake year after year after year. It's going to happen year, uh, year after year unless one or, one or both of two things happen. One, you change this whole system, the electoral system, 
and, 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 and come up with an amendment to change that. We've had several amendments throughout the years, constitutional amendments, or you have demographical change and shifts that actually I've been reading about like uh, Arizona, like uh, the Arizona, you know, and even in Texas, even though Biden didn't win Texas, but a lot of young people from out of states have been moving there. And then certain, certain like uh, industries, like in Texas, for example, Austin, Austin now that's their Silicon Valley area. Right. So a lot of people right. from California, from Oregon, from other parts of the country uh, have moved there. So unless you have, you know, I mean, I can see that happening in in Texas. Uh, and remember with Beto O'Rourke, right. he came very close. And I can see this happening in Arizona. And that's why probably if Biden wins, that's why he would have won because of those changes, demographic changes. And some people say uh, uh, because uh, uh, Trump's attack on John McCain, Senator, the right. late, uh, Senator right. John McCain. Right. But I don't see a lot of people but moving I, to I'm Georgia. But I'm not I don't as optimistic. See a lot of people I'm not as optimistic. To Alabama, Jess. <laughs> um, Jamal, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm I'm not as optimistic as you. I think if you build a house on a faulty foundation, you can make all the changes to the exterior you want. Well, we've made changes, Jess. I mean, we've made changes. We've have uh, the first amendment. That's a change. Uh, the change to have women voting rights—that has been a change. But so, so there are but amendments. I, but I want to remind that you that this, in the Constitution. Sure, but I want to remind you that voter suppression was probably at its greatest this election, despite attempts to come to combat it. And you know, l- let's just be clear: if, if you're a woman and you're concerned about protecting your right to an abortion, for example, you still have states after this election. Rolling back protections. Well, for, especially for wh- after the makeup of the Supreme Court. So, it, you know, we're talking about constitutional changes, but never underestimate the power of white supremacists to hold on to power. And that, that's, that's well, the bottom okay. line. So where, where do we stand now? Here's where we and, stand now. And, and, and let me just say, because <laughs> I don't want people to get the mis- because... As uh, we air the show, uh, more results will come, and maybe Pennsylvania will come uh, for Biden, and then it's all over, right? Yeah, but here's but, the thi- but, but, but here's the thing: Trump it's, is it's going to challenge go to- it. Yeah, so here's the thing that I want to just play out a scenario for you, Jamal. See what you think. Biden will get the electoral college votes; they'll, they'll be certified, and all of that. Trump and Giuliani and his sons are going to file lawsuits until there's no tomorrow. There is a good chance with the recounts and the lawsuits that it could extend not just into December, but it could extend into January and theoretically could kind of muck up the system. For well, the, you, uh, the country had to wait, what, 44 days or 42 days for right. uh, George W. Uh, basically. This could uh, be longer. And basically what I'm saying is saying is that Trump and his cronies are setting up a narrative and a scenario that if they lose the election, they're going to do whatever it takes to say it was not valid, it was rigged, and it was stolen. And unfortunately, that's going to create even more chaos as we get close to January 20th. This is not over, even but if only, Biden is but declared. But only if 
the Republicans line up with him. What do you think? What do you think? Well, I think if he loses Pennsylvania and another state, it might be more difficult to take his point. But if Biden wins only Arizona, which they can challenge, and Nevada, those have been uh, very close to call. Right. And with Wisconsin, they'll challenge those three. But uh, if, if he loses a big state, which, by the way, I have to say congratulations to uh, the people in your home state, Michigan, which basically <laughs> saved the day. It right. saved the day because after, after uh, basically Biden didn't win uh, Florida, I said it's almost all over. I mean, if he doesn't get, and, and Michigan came through, and they came be- from behind. That's, why, that's what gives that's the right. hope that's that right. this might be a repeat game in Pennsylvania. But it was Michigan, which, which Trump won last time. And, and also part, I should say, also part of the good news, all the squad uh, has been elected, right? All That's members right. of the squad have been elected. Uh, Rashida Tlaib ha- was elected. Ilhan Omar Ilhan was elected. Omar, AOC. And they were under attack. And then, and then you have now Jamal Bowman. Right. Uh, in New York. That's a big deal. That's no, a big deal is. added to this. And... Uh, Another person. No, the, the, no, that that's all true, Jamal. But so, you, so there has been also some good shifts to yeah, but the left. I, I just don't want to get too excited because I am going to come back to this point that we've been making for so many years that this illusion that we have of a democracy uh, serving the people, the will of the people. When you scratch below the surface and you look at the electoral college and the way the Senate is, it's. It's the only democracy in the world, Jamal, where one person, one vote doesn't hold when it comes to the presidency. It's It's the only one in the world, Jamal. And that's a throwback to slavery and the Confederacy. So we, I keep... And the monopoly, and the monopoly by a two-party system. Exactly. No, I that's mean, where exactly. else? I mean, you just have. I mean, I mean, what's the difference between a two-party system and a one-party system, like Nothing. during the Communist Not, Party? Not and much. basically, the ideology between them, uh, many things they are in agreement on, especially when it comes to foreign policy and wars and and countries they support, like Israel. And uh, you know, I mean, many uh, the Democrats voted with George W. Bush to go and bomb the hell out of Iraq. You know, so so we see that. Basically, it's almost like two sides of the same coin, you know, even right. though one coin, maybe one side is, is worse than the other. But this concept that we can't create basically a healthy atmosphere for real democracy by having multiple parties like you see in England or you see in France or you see in Italy and other, you know, Germany. democracies yes. in Germany. That's uh, because I was looking at, you know, it's like, Okay, they, there is a candidate, the libertarian candidate, Joe Jorgensen, which was on the ballot in, in uh, not all states, in some states. I don't think, I think this will remain unhealthy and this electoral system that, uh, that we play these games like a, ch- a chess game every four years. Well, I'll tell you, Jamal, I think you're right. And I think this is why Latinos didn't come out and vote for, for Biden. This is why a lot of African-American men, uh, you know, fail to show up to vote because they don't feel, Jamal. I mean, African-Americans and Latinos and a lot of folks of color believe that the Democratic Party um, takes them for granted, doesn't listen to their 
their needs and their their wishes, doesn't really pay attention and include them in the so-called big tent of the Democratic Party. And I think as long as they continue to play that game, and we've been reporting on the games of the of the Democratic Party for many years, Jamal, with their you know the, their platform, which can continue- they're elitists, they're elitists. But and, and that's why in exactly. that's why only in certain districts, like where you have the AOC and wherever there is a split there, and they kind of uh, they 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 place them at the at the uh, edges of the of the fringes of the Democratic Party. Like I haven't seen Biden, for example, going and campaigning with. Uh, Ilhan Omar, or even though Minnesota, they brought him Minnesota. I haven't seen him making appearance with Rashida Tlaib. I haven't seen him making appearance with AOC. I mean, they delivered, they delivered, he's still like he wants to play the centrist thing, which is basically uh, the core of the party, what Nancy Pelosi wants you to do. And you're absolutely right. If you look at all these, all these people, they're just white men and women. And very elitist. Uh, they don't have a lot of uh, people of color. Uh, the Latinos, a little bit more complex, like in Florida, they are, in my opinion, the, especially mostly the Cuban Americans, they're one dimensional. Uh, they're not going to vote for any candidate who wanted to kind of establish any relationship with the Castro regime. And that's right. why they're anti Biden, right. because Obama opened travel to Cuba and opened the embassy in, 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 in Havana, which is now shut down. I mean, this is how they want to keep it. And uh, But the Latinos might have played a bigger role, for example, in Nevada and Arizona. But many of them, and that's what I was reading, is they are very conservative Catholics and the abortion issue plays a major role. So, but... Uh, when now Arizona is it has come in so much play, Jess, guess how many times Biden have gone to Arizona? One time. I know. I know. So, so when you're talking about not paying attention. They're not. They're not paying attention. No, they're them. not. And I'm going to say the same thing I said last week and the week before. To the Democrats' peril. And I don't believe that they're going to take seriously everything that has confronted them in this election. You know, you have Donald Trump and all the things that we spoke about. By the way, one of the things we left out is that Stephen Miller and Donald Trump's immigration policy separated 500 parents from their children, literally stripped children from their parents. And they, can, they, can, they can't locate them. They cannot locate them. And if Trump were to be reelected, that policy would be turbocharged. So, you know, wake up. Uh, we need to real. This is we I don't know how many times we can ask the Democratic Party to wake up, Jamal. And of course, you had the Israeli government just to ju- just to kind of put icing on this horrible cake right now, destroy a village and make homeless 71 Palestinians, including 41 children, who are left in the middle of, you know, as we get colder and it's raining now, and, you know, left without their homes, the largest demolition of a, of a village and made homeless of, a, of Palestinians, you know, in, in a very long time. And this came under the grand peace plan of Trump and Kushner. 
And let me ask you something, Jamal. Did you hear anything from Joe Biden or Kamala Harris about the Israeli destruction of this home or no, anything? No, but, but, but here is also another important thing that actually the Palestinian-Israeli conflict or even foreign affairs in general, uh, they have not been... Uh, uh, a, 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 <laughs> basically subject of the whole debates because of the COVID, because of Trump, maybe some immigration. Usually in all these debates, you know, you got this uh, parading and who's who's a better lover of Israel between the Democratic candidate and the Republican. There's that competition. It did not happen, which is I'm fine. I'm fine (laughs) about this. But I think this uh, is a very difficult time back in you know, for Palestinians right now. Of course, because Israel is taking full advantage of not only the power of the U.S. elections, but also the COVID, uh, you know, situation there, and they and the, the you know the entire world basically's attention is not on what's happening, unfortunately, uh, to children in Palestine or in 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 the West Bank. So, with a few minutes remaining, Jamal, I want to just say that. Uh, you know, in the midst of this, you know, really kind of chaotic election season, um, you know, COVID is getting much worse. And I want our listeners and viewers to really understand we're headed for a period of time where it's going to be a very dark, dark period for this country in terms of COVID. It's not that we have it under control. It's getting worse. And And we had 100,000 confirmed cases just yesterday, Jamal, and we had 1,500 deaths in one day from COVID. And it's only going to get worse. We're not even two weeks out from Halloween. We have Thanksgiving and the other holidays coming up, you know, uh, afterwards. And you see half of this country, Jamal, not only not, not wearing masks, but you know, basically still believing the medical advice from a president who says that maybe drinking bleach could be a good <laughs> treatment for COVID-19. Not only they're listening to the medical advice, but a lot of them voted for him. So we're coming to an end to another Arab Talk. Uh, go to our website, arabtalkradio.com to download the la- latest episodes. And uh, as we said, it ain't over till it's over. <laughs> and stay safe. Uh, wear a mask. You know, stay safe. Wear a mask because, uh, you know, winter is uh, around the corner. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>